take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode, Gene and I will be talking about transactional relationships. It's a very interesting concept, and it's a concept that we've run into uh, working with couples. Why don't we define it? So transactional relationships, and you think about a transaction, you know, in a relationship, um, if someone is doing something for the other person and expecting them to do something in return. Yeah, sort of like keeping score, like there's a 50-50, like you put in half, and then I put in half. And we always have the half, and it's hers, and it's his, but there's not really an ours. We think about like scratch my back, I'll scratch yours Yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that transactional relationships really have developed, it's more of a recent development in relationships. Um, if you think about relationships traditionally, you know, couples usually got married pretty young. And, you know, when they got married, they really didn't have much assets together, shared assets. They were starting their lives out together. And so because of that, it started out very like equal, more on an equal footing. Right. They were like growing their life together. Right. Right. Instead of them both coming in with a lot of things. Right. So you think about the high school sweethearts, Mm -hmm. right, who are coming out of high school, they don't have a penny to their name, and they start building their lives together at the same place in life. And they buy their first home together, their cars together. So all of those decisions are decisions that unite someone and bond them, and they share the responsibility. And it doesn't matter whether one person is more of the breadwinner than the other. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, because they're starting out on equal footing, all of their assets together is part of the us. Yeah, when we're working with a transactional couple, we usually see like, well, I've made this money and this is mine and you haven't, so it's not yours. Especially when there's a stay-at-home parent situation and they end up going through a divorce. And to me, that seems like only paying the salespeople of a company and not paying the accountant or the janitor or whoever else is supporting everything so that the salesperson can go out and do their thing. Well, we're typically seeing these type of couples like maybe remarrying later on in life or they have maybe they got married later on in life and so they've built up their lives independently from another person. So I would say that that may have been the case. But now we're seeing more and more couples who they've gone to college, 
they've got student loan debt, they've got good careers, and they're in their early 30s, late 20s before they get married, and they already have, you know, their own financial debt and income, right? And so they're even starting off right off the bat, and they've probably had parents who divorced. Well, then in that case, the common denominator is that independence, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where they've already started building up their own lives, they have their own assets and resources. And so now they're trying to create a relationship with someone who also has created an independent life as well. I think too, there's a lot that goes into the parenting of people who are in their 30s, their early 30s. You know, because our world is changing and moving so fast, it isn't like when when I was a kid, you were a kid, and your parents would say, go out and play. And your friends became the people that you counted on and trusted. And now everything's like, done as a family, like the whole family goes to the sporting event or the whole family goes to the play date or something like that. And so the bonds are really only in the family and we're not learning how to bond outside of the family. And so when a couple comes together, they don't really trust that an outside person would be there for them. Have you seen that? Especially in the younger couples, like they, they don't really know how to merge or become an us. Yeah, I don't think it was really role modeled to them. Mm-hmm. You know, the younger generation... Um, we're talking about here are the millennials and, you know, the younger generation. I think that's the Y generation. Anyway, you know, the younger generations, they're, they're coming from an older generation that there was a higher percentage of divorce. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, the emergence of the blended family, you know, and single parenting has really kind of disrupted any type of consistent role modeling in relationships. Right. So when we're talking about an older couple, you know, an older couple that might be established and may have a differentiation of assets at that point, I think prenups are really reasonable in those situations. I think that I personally, if I was later in life and I was going to get into a relationship with someone, I wouldn't want that person to think that I was in the relationship because I wanted their assets. I would want them to know I was in the relationship because I love them. How do you feel about prenups? Well, I think given the way that relationships are developing now, you know, prenups are a way of, you know, setting that that equality right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. The problem here is the consequence is, is that, you know, if couples don't know how to form the us, then that transactional type of relationship is going to be consist- consistent throughout their relationship. And so you have couples who are separating their finances you know, and one person is going to be taking care of these bills. The other person is going to be taking care of these bills. And, you know, they don't, they don't know what the other person is doing with their own finances. Okay. So they live very parallel lives. Right. And, you know, it's, it's not that that's a bad thing, but it can create more of a divide in the relationship and a disconnect when it comes to communication. Yeah. It certainly doesn't lend itself to intimacy and vulnerability and trust, which are the things that are the foundational thing of an intimate relationship. And what you'll see is the way people manage their money, that energy flows throughout the rest of their relationships. And it's very similar to how they take care of the home or raise the children or spend time together or not together, right? We've seen a lot of that. And I know in our relationship, I feel really good because I always feel like each of us knows to step up and we just get things done and it feels good. Like I would never feel good like 
sitting around watching you work all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, that would be, that that would build resentment, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, uh, when you're talking about a transactional relationship, you know, resentment can build. And, you know, just to kind of level the playing field here, all relationships, I think, start out in that way, where it's a, you know, this is my way, this is your way. And, you know, couples have to try to figure out how to blend their ways together, right? Right, and form the us as we're talking about here, okay? But that added structure of the transactional relationship, I think it complicates it and, and makes it much more difficult for couples to create the us. You know, since we're on video, I'm gonna try to demonstrate this. So when, when a couple comes together, she's here, he's there, and if she turns, he turns, if he turns, she turns, and so they kind of form this parallel thing where they're starting to flow together. And then once they really merge, then they can kind of go off and do their own thing. And there's so much distance they can get before they feel the pull to come back. And then the relationship starts to form like this, like a braid, right? And if you stay like this, lots of things can get in between there. And unfortunately, anything that we're keeping secrets from our partner from become the things that erode the relationship. And so if we're not sharing, you know, if you want to keep your money separate, that's not the issue. The issue is the secrecy behind it. And like, why wouldn't you want your partner to know they're your partner? Why wouldn't you want to share with them and say, hey, this is what I'm doing, or this is what is happening in my world. So if you want to keep it a secret, it's probably something you don't feel that good about. And you probably shouldn't be doing. And I think in our experience, we haven't found that couples are keeping secrets from each other right off the bat because of malicious intent. Right. Right. It's just that, okay, this is my responsibility. This is your responsibility. And so, you know, they just stop talking about it because as long as each person's taking care of the responsibility, there's no problem. Right. But then, you know, I'm thinking about the one experience with that couple where what they wanted to go on vacation and... Mm-hmm. One person had the finances to pay for it, but the other person didn't have the, the funds to pay for it. And so that brings up the question in the other partner's mind is that, well, what are you spending your money on? Right. Right. And so now it's like, I don't know what you're spending your money on. And, you know, because they're keeping their finances, you know, separate from each other, you know, now breeds distrust. Right. Right. And I think, unfortunately, as human beings, when we're not being watched, we're not always our best self, you know? And so right. having someone, you know, and this is why people have accountability partners, if they want to lose weight or if they want to change some other behavior, learn something, because, you know, that's kind of how we are. We have that primitive part of us that just wants to take the easy way out and cut corners and be lazy, you know? And so that accountability piece is a really big deal because it calls us to become more of our best, our best self. And that is a very difficult thing for most of us to do independently. Well, I think naturally, and and we've talked about this, naturally in a relationship, there's going to be conflict. And when there's conflict, there is this need to protect yourself Mm -hmm. emotionally because your partner is hurting you, right? And most of the time, it's not intentional. Right. 
And so when you pull back and you start to guard yourself, you start to protect yourself from being hurt, it creates a distance between you and your partner. Okay. Now, if you have that distance already because you're keeping things to yourself, because your finances are separate, because you are not having your partner hold you accountable, not control you, but hold you accountable, now what that does is it breeds more of an environment for you to make decisions or make choices that go against the relationship. You know, that's really interesting. And it it reminds me of, you know, when you're fighting with someone, your partner, and you have that wiggle room, and you want to kind of stick it to them, it really gives you an avenue to not only hurt them, but ultimately yourself, right? And I think about us when we have disagreements, Never. We never disagree <laughs> about anything. And, you know, sometimes it it's so painful and it, and it gets to be a really big thing where in your head you kind of go to that place like, what would it be like if this was over? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us, not only are we merged with our finances, but we're merged with our businesses. Mm-hmm. We run two companies. And so everything would change, every aspect of everything. So it's not so easy to just detangle. You know, someone said that once a divorce is never a clean cut, it's always jagged edges and it sticks with you forever. And the more you've merged, the more difficult that is. And I think about that, you know, with this concept like transactional relationships are like checks mix. You know, in checks mix, you put in the peanuts and the M&Ms and the cereal and all of that. And when you want to divide it up in the end, you can pull out the peanuts and the M&Ms. But when you are in a, in a merged relationship, it's like making a cake and you put in the sugar and the flour and the eggs, and you can't just pull out the eggs once you've made the cake. You have to tear the thing in half. Which I think brings up another aspect of transactional relationships that is a consequence of that structure, and that is that it it, it creates this like backdoor type of yeah you know uh, perspective of the relationship is that if anything were to go wrong. You know, we already have everything separate, so it's easy to just walk away from each other. Yeah, which I think is a great disservice. I, I think it's a farce. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's true. Even that though also. you have your finances separate, divorce never is like clean cut or, you know, it's never just black and white. No, you're still you're still going to have a broken heart. Right. And, and Even if the finances are fine. And if there's a lot of conflict at the mm-hmm. end and you're separating, it doesn't matter if you have a prenup or not. If you have a shark of an attorney, yep. uh, we've seen couples go at each other even though they have prenups. Right. You know, so when we're talking about that severance, even if you have things neatly in your little piles, we're talking about this emotional tearing apart. Yeah. That there is no preparation that can really, you know, make that pain any easier. You know, and I think if things like your safety and your finances are more important than your partner or your relationship, you really need to be rethinking your life, right? If people become less important than things, I think that's a big problem. There's a book I was reading called Embraced by the Light by Betty Eady. She had a near-death experience, and in this book, she talks about going through a life review. And in that life review, and I think we've talked about this on other podcasts, she talks about this ripple effect where she's shown all the good things she's done when she was kind to someone and that 
made them happier and they in turn did an act of kindness for someone else and it, and it rippled out this ripple effect of you know that goodness going out into the world and then it also talked about when she made poor choices and hurt somebody and then that person went and hurt another person and so on and so on and i think that ultimately in the end everything is known and it's known in your heart and it's known to yourself and that's where you know we are always struggling between this concept of wanting to be safe and wanting love and you have to sacrifice love to be safe you have to sacrifice safe to be loved there is no guarantee that you aren't going to get hurt in a relationship and i think many people try to you know put up a safety net or cushion themselves in a way to prevent that pain from happening whether it be financial separation or you know transactional relationships there actually is a guarantee and that is that your partner is going to hurt you and you can't prepare yourself or protect yourself you know from that it is going to happen and we don't know how and we don't know when but it is just part of being in a relationship so you know when you are trying to set up your relationship in a way that you know i am going to put in 50 cents you put in 50 cents i'm going to put in a dollar you put in a dollar it's going to be fair yeah so that everything can be fair right and equal and, and balanced equal it never ever turns out that way and you know what the saddest thing is is it doesn't allow for generosity it doesn't allow for caring or concern. You know, whenever, and I think with our relationship, this is more in this direction where Ray will say he wants something and I'll say, let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, typically I have to fight a little bit harder because your first reaction is no. <laughs> but in the end, I think ultimately we both really want each other to have the most they, they can get out of life. If something's important to one of us, that we go and pursue that dream, you know, like the hike. I wanted to hike a thousand miles and you stepped up and joined me. And um, those are the kind of things that make for a richness of an us in a relationship. And being together for a very long period of time, it's like chicken noodle soup. It's why it's so good for you when you have a cold because it has to sit and, and simmer and simmer and simmer. And because of that, all of the energy builds up and makes it really good for you. And so us having been together over 23 years, I can feel like, you know, it's like that concept of a war buddy. You know, you go through big things together and it, and it forms an incredible bond. And I would say the greatest bonding that I felt in our relationship is when we go into the hurt of our lives and go through a healing process. Because every time you've ever hurt me, it's usually not so much you, it's whatever I have inside. And it generates a healing process, which I think has formed an incredible bond between us. Yeah, you know, I think you bring up a really good point that we should probably talk about, and that, that is that transactional relationships, they come from a premise that each person is bringing equal resources or equal things to the table. And, you know, what you're talking about here, you know, as far as in our relationship, we are very different people, and we have different strengths, and we have different limitations. And in forming the us, you have to figure out what each person's strengths and limitations are, and in that way, you support each other, right? right. Mm -hmm. and, and that is that if you have a limitation, I'm able to step in and support you, and vice versa, 
Whereas in a transactional relationship, the, the premise and the thought is that each person has to be equal in everything, right? And it just doesn't work out that way. Right. And I would also ask you to really think about the concept of masculine energy and feminine energy. I'm not talking about men and women here. I'm talking about masculine and feminine energy. You can only measure masculine energy. You can measure money. You can measure how you spend your time. You can measure your stuff. But you can't measure generosity, love, compassion, anger, Hmm. resentment, all of those kind of things. They're not measurable. And so if you're so focused on measuring, you're only measuring masculine stuff and you leave out this whole other thing, which is the real glue of relationships. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And so, you know, there's nothing like having someone come and put their hand on your back when you're a little bit down or hug and kiss you goodbye in the morning. And, you know, you certainly don't want to start measuring that. Well, I kissed you three times yesterday and you need to kiss me three times today. (laughs) Yeah, that just sounds ridiculous when you so talk about it that way, yeah. right? Versus, you know, what do you have in your 401k? And I That's think, measurable. I think ultimately in life, what really brings joy and happiness is the act of giving and, and being generous with your partner, whether that is emotionally or act of kindness or kind words or doing something for them. That That's what really fills us up, not what do they have that I want or what can I protect them from taking from me? Which is a transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you are, you know, giving, you're only going to give as much as you've received. Right. And so it promotes like that scorekeeping that you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Is that how much has my partner done for me? And so I'm going to give back just as the same amount. And it's not going to encourage you to give freely. Right. Because, you know, you're not going to, you're going to want to know that you're going to receive that back in return. Well, I just had a thought. No. Keeping score. Yeah. You can only keep score with an opponent. You don't keep score with someone on your team. Yeah. It's like game playing. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you have to ultimately see your partner as an adversary if you're keeping score. Which increases competition which means there's going to be a winner and a loser and there's no relationships that have a winner and a loser. There's either two winners or two losers. Right. Which if you have a competitor, it absolutely would facilitate distrust. Mm -hmm. It would also encourage keeping the cards close to your chest, not showing what you have in your hand because you don't, because you're, you're competing with them. Right. And one of the things that is probably what we would label in the toxic relationship arena or the red flag arena is when one person in the relationship is transactional and the other person is not. And so this is typically a codependent situation where one person is constantly giving and concerned about you know, stepping on eggshells and if the other person is going to find them favorable or not. And the other person kind of sits in judgment and checks off their list, you know, and that's, those relationships are really sad, really sad to me. It it doesn't allow human beings to grow and become, which is, I think, the point of relationships. So, I mean, if you find yourself in a transactional relationship, you know, don't, don't be alarmed. You don't have to just go and 
break up with that person or file divorce papers. You know, you, you can change. And, you know, couples can change the relationship into an us. You know, it just takes education. It takes work. It takes both of you wanting to create that together and then moving in that direction. You know, I would ask yourself, do I love my partner? And does my partner love me? And maybe you didn't get it right because of your hurt and your fear and all of the things that you've learned about life and vulnerability and relationships. But if you really love that person and you think that they're a good person that has your best interests at heart and you have their best interests at heart, go have a real conversation about how do we make this an us? And I think the benefits of the us are exponential. It's exponential and you can create and do so much more when you are dealing with the us and when you are thinking about how can we become the best that we can become because of that accountability piece. It makes us better people and it makes us have a better life that feels so much more incredible because human beings are not designed to be alone. We're designed to be in families, in couples, in tribes, in villages. And generosity is the key to that, not the scorekeeping. So we want to thank you so much for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy and watching Couple Synergy. Um, Our passion is in helping couples have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. And we hope that by listening to this episode, it has not only enriched your life, but also your relationships. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on our YouTube video as well. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, which is coming up in October. October 15th through the 18th. We're so excited. 30 couple limit, and we are going to have that information on our website soon. It's going to be a great weekend. This is going to be awesome. This Mm -hmm. is a, a wonderful inn in Michigan, yeah. right on the shore of Lake Michigan. It's beautiful. And if you want any information about our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.